So I want to pray for us, and yeah, then we can go for it. So Father, I do trust uh, this morning that we would, yeah, Lord, really, it is my prayer that we will not gain more information, Father, about, about you and about your scriptures, but that your word by the Spirit will pierce our hearts, Lord, that we will walk out here and like, yes, Lord, we, we love you more, we see you uh, more accurately, God, and we want to reflect your truth um, yeah, in a real way to this world, Lord, and we do trust this morning uh, for your Spirit, Father, thank you that you don't just leave us, uh, but your Spirit is in us and is working um, deep things into our heart, Lord, but, but also that we might reflect you uh, in a greater measure to a lost and dying world. Amen. So, like Leonard said, I will transition shortly, at least I have a semi-loud voice, I'll scream at you in a bit, uh, without the mic. But as I was preparing this, a couple of, I, I was thinking about something that happened about three, four months ago, as I was sitting in town, I was at Oz, I call it my office, because I see so many people there at Oz, and then as I was sitting there with one of our uh, final year students, there was these two girlies sitting next to us, and if you know Oz, everybody sits so close to one another, so it's like you're having a conversation with them while you're chatting with this guy, and I could hear the whole conversation busy happening next to me. And at the, there was somewhere through that that I stopped our conversation just to listen and eavesdrop what is going on next to me because it was so interesting. I later actually joined that conversation afterwards and started to speak to them. But basically what they were speaking about is this, that the one girl um, wants to do her master's degree in this year coming. And what she wants to do a master's degree on is about Christians and the Christian God that is all hypocrites. Because they believe in a God that is the God of love, and this God of love is self-proclaimed to be a loving God, but he rejects homosexuals, he hates actually to extend women, uh, or dislikes them to some extent, because there's certain rights of abortion that they can't have, and she goes on thing about thing about thing uh, of this God not acting in love towards her and towards them. And... Although, on the one hand, that sad me that conversation that I joined in later on, <laughs> there was something of reality in our society that's busy drifting, that people are looking at Christianity, they're looking at Jesus, and they're looking at the church, and it's not the real thing. They're rejecting a Jesus, but it's not the real Jesus. They're rejecting a form of Christianity that they think in their mind, that is how it should be, but they're rejecting Christianity and they're hardening their hearts against God, but it was never the real thing in the first place. Nifi, can I ask you to um, adjust this thing that it doesn't go off the whole time, otherwise it's going to be awkward. <laughs> Where am I? So, this morning I want to, actually, the, that word that came out about the lenses, is so true for us this morning because what I wanna what I wanna preach on is the power of the gospel. And what the title of the preach I want to say obtaining grace. Taking hold of grace this morning. Because I think for all of us it is so important to go into this world and reflect something authentic. Because the world is looking at us and they're saying you proclaim that you have truth. Show it to me. Show me the truth that you carry in your heart. 
And what I wanted to do, I know in front of me is 99% that I'm aware of people that call themselves Christians. People that have once heard the good news of Jesus Christ, accepted it into their heart, and say that I proclaim that Jesus Christ is my Lord. But what I want to do is actually preach the gospel this morning. That's all I want to do. I want to go through scripture and I want to preach Jesus Christ to us. But what I want us to do is, as we are hearing these words and listening to my preach and, and all of these different things, I want us to take off our lenses and not look through the lenses, this is how I view God this past month or year or five years or 30 years. But in a sense, say, God, am I still living this? Looking at the gospel and say, God, is this still exciting me? Is there something in my heart that comes like, when I hear that there's people dying, separated from Christ, is there something in your heart like, yes, I knew I'm going to cry. <laughs> is your heart still burning for people that is lost without them? Is there something in your heart or have you become a little bit callous when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ? And I trust that by the Spirit it will come blow of dust a little bit in us as we even go into this holiday. Say, God, come and reshape. Come and renew this thing that we call the gospel. So I thought about it as a worship, two words, two things that we need to know as I'm going to go through this because I'm going to mention it a lot for those that might not have grown up in Christian circle. It is the gospel. The gospel is referring to the good news of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. So every time I use the word gospel, I'm referring to the work of Jesus and I am going to explain it um, quite a lot. And the second thing that I'm going to mention quite a lot is grace. And I googled it because it's always great to google things um, to give us definitions that make sense. But grace, ultimately, um, I know it, we use it as unmerited favor, but it refers to a gift or a thing that we get that we never worked for. Um, the, the Google said, unmerited gift of divine favor in the salvation of sinners and the divine influence of operating in an individual for the regeneration and sanctification. Also quite big words. But basically what it is, you get something that you don't deserve. You never worked for it. You never deserved it in the first place, but you just get it. So, in the book of Colossians, uh, Paul writes to this church, um, and he writes and starts off actually with quite thanksgiving in his heart. And as he writes to them, he, he says that I'm praying and I'm giving thanks to God that the gospel, the goodness of Jesus has come to you, and, is, and, and you guys have received it, you let on fun that Jesus Christus is here, and they started to live for God. And this is an awesome thing and it excites Paul so much. But then he gets to this point, uh, also in Colossians 1 verse 5 and 6, it says, The gospel, this good news, this message, which has come to you, to this church, to Stellenbosch, as indeed in the whole world, is bearing fruit and increasing. Amen. As it is also doing amongst you, since the day you've heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So it's so amazing that, amazing that they receive the word of God. It is not only that they receive it, but they are bearing fruit. So they are showing that they are truly Christians and that it is also increasing in their midst. Don't you want that in Stalemosh A.M.? in Stellenbosch PM, in Stellenbosch, in every church, in Stellenbosch, in the Western Cape, in the world, that the gospel will come and it increases in fruit continually. 
But there's something that these people understood, and it is mentioned at the end. Since the day they've heard of this message and understood the grace of God's truth. They understood something of grace and the truth of that. And that's why I want to unpack this morning through preaching of the gospel of grace to us. So what is the gospel message? The gospel message is simply this. That there is a massive problem. The problem is that sin is very present in this world. It's not just out there at ESCOM's headquarters that sin operates. It's actually in your heart. It is in my heart. It's with all of us that sin is with us and close to us. And it's something that's actually embedded in us. And that's a big problem. Not that we are sinners, but that God is righteous, holy and just. And because that is his nature, it leads us actually for God to respond to sin and say, I can, not, I can have nothing to do with that. Because he is holy, because he is righteous, and he's just. And because he is just, he needs to look at sin and say, sin leads to death, and I need to punish that, because it's nothing like me. That's the one heart and the one nature and part of Christ, and the part of God. And that's a big problem for all of us. But, on the other hand, God is not just holy and righteous, but also He is loving. And as He looks at this, He says His heart leaps of compassion, and that there's something that I need to bring a solution to this problem. The solution is actually this thing called grace. That there's a free gift of salvation through the person of Jesus Christ that lived the perfect life and the life we couldn't live died on the cross and when we accept this free gift of salvation and believe in Him and, and trust our whole life to God, we will be saved. And no longer will our sin be held against us, but it will be pulled away, put on Jesus, and He would look at you and He says, Son, He looks at you and He says, Daughter, that is amazing news. That is amazing news. But it doesn't stop there because this gospel is not a once-off event that many of us think it is. But it's an ongoing, increasing fruit in our lives as the gospel is keep on bearing fruit continually in us. It leads us actually then to the restoration plan of God to live in enjoyment with Him, in full relationship with Him, and full dependency on Him. And that's how He designed it to be. So for the next 15 minutes, I just want to go through the whole Bible. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> the Gospel story in Genesis starts as this. And this is the first time actually grace is given. Have you ever thought about that? In Genesis, the first time there was an extension from God and said, I want to grace these people or something. The first heart of God in grace, that we see grace in the Bible, is actually this thing that you and I was created. God wasn't lonely in heaven and said, oh, I so long for being created. And now I want to create these people called human beings. He was perfectly in relationship. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they weren't alone. They were perfectly satisfied. But there was grace extended because that has always been God's heart and say, let us make man. And that was a free gift for us. We didn't deserve just to be made and to be here today. But God said, I want to make you. Isn't that amazing? 
we can just stop the preach then. Like, oh, thank you, Jesus, that I'm actually created and being able to live for you, being able to be here. We didn't deserve that. But on top of that, He's such a generous God. That's something also of His nature that He continually lavishes grace upon us by giving us the world to enjoy with fruit and to and then he gives a woman and he says be fruitful and multiply there's pleasure in that it's also a good gift given to man and he says not only can you just live on this on this earth but you can rule it he's just lavishing and lavishing and giving and giving and he's such an awesome God and ultimately I think one of the most gracious thing he couldn't he could have made us like a, a donkey Oh, look at this donkey. He's not made in my image, but he's something wonderful. But he said, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness, reflecting something of our very nature. You look like Jesus. A little bit twisted, a little bit beaten up by sin, but there's something in you that reflects something of God. Isn't that beautiful? Graced by God. We didn't deserve it. But obviously we know, uh, the story goes on a chapter or two later, we read that we messed up. Genesis 3 says the following, Now the serpent, Satan, was more crafty than any of the beasts in the field that the Lord God has made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say? Have you heard that many times in your own life? You were called for this. Two weeks later, question mark. Did God really call you for that? Did God really say that you can be successful? Did God really say that you can look like Him? Look at what you did. He just puts a question mark the whole time around the words of God. You shall not eat of the tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the tree of the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit in the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And already we start to see a twisting happening here because God never said he can't touch it, just said don't eat the thing. And already there's something of, what did God say again? And you start to, the twistedness start to happen already. But the serpent said to the woman, you should not die, but God knows that when you eat of it, you, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Basically, you can decide what is good and evil. You can decide what is right and wrong. You can decide what love is. You don't need to listen to the Bible or to God. You can decide what defines God. Because you are God now in your own life. You replace them. So what basically happened is man looked at the promises and the grace God bestowed on him and said, I reject that. I push that away. And I am now the one that will call the shots. I will call what is good and evil. I will call what is right and wrong. I will even call how to rule this world and how to make it right. And ultimately by doing so we reject God. That is extremely bad news. It goes on that when the flood came and there was judgment on the earth, man looked at a way out. And God said, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth, go out into all the earth and multiply. God said that to man and man looked at God and said, my will be done and not your will be done, God. I'm not going to listen to you. You're not going to tell me where I should go and how I should do things. What did man do? 
we started to build a city and the whole of mankind went together in, at the Tower of Babel a couple of uh, chapters later on. And they rebelled against God because there was a way for salvation. There was a way God wanted things to be and graced them to enjoy the whole earth. And they said, now nah, you keep your whole earth. We're going to stick together here. And we're going to build a way of salvation, obtaining our own way of grace. Coming back to salvation in our own way, not God's way. And God rejected them to an extent again. And they spoke in different languages and scattered. Not your will be done. God, but my will. We find this happening so much in our own life that we we hear the voice of God and we just reject it and say, yes, God, I know you said I should do it that way, but have you considered this side? Taste. That a whole of scripture speaks about that we can do things in a certain way and God has given us a way of doing it. But then we say, like, this is God, but I, li- I like my life now. I don't like being like this or this or this. But God knows that if you do it according to His ways, life will come. But we always just look at God like, this is God, there must be a better way. And we follow a little bit our own course and go on. And we see this throughout the whole Old Testament, uh, that God actually starts then to reach out graciously to man. He reaches out to man through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that's the whole of Genesis, saying, I have something for you. I want to make a people from you. I want to bring you back to reflecting me well and looking great and just looking again how you did in the beginning. But the whole time we start to see them failing and limping and going through the Old Testament as we get to the law, the law was put on, in a sense, these people and say, obtain the standard, this is what I have for you. But it was also a test to show man that you can never do it in your own strength. Through Exodus to Deuteronomy, we see this thing happening all over again, that man tries to reach the standard and falls. Reach to the standard and falls. And that's actually what we try to do in our own lives. God, if I'm just a better person, I can go to heaven. If I'm just good enough, if I do enough good things in my good box, then I go to heaven. Somebody once said, good people don't go to heaven. Believers go to heaven. You can do all the good works. Without Jesus, you go to hell. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can enter into heaven. You guys can hear me. Is this fine? Okay, if you can't hear, please... You guys are like the judges of the guy. Cool. We move on into... Um, need to go a little bit quicker. That man looks, man looks at God and says... He looks, he looks at God and he looks at the demons all around him and he says, God, we don't want you anymore. We want the king. And then God looks at them and says, but I'm your king. And say, but we want to look like the other people. And rejects God once again and in a sense a man-made king, a man-king came and rules the people of God and once again we see how that turns out to be that the people of God certain amount of success falls in sin, certain amount of success falls in sin and then they send the prophets, the voice of God comes into the people's life and they kill the prophets. We are so sinful. We are so much in trouble that God is so gracious, continually reaching for our hearts, continually pulling at us and saying, 
I have more for you. And what do we do? No thank you, man-made. No thank you, our own voices, our own wisdom, our own way of doing things. I'm not asking our own lives. Have we rejected the ways of God? I'm going to continually throw out these different questions to us. Just that the gospel will in a sense penetrate our hearts and we'll come to a place like, Oh my act. Am I still living this? Am I, do I need to blow off some dust off my lenses and see clearly again that this gospel needs to infiltrate my whole life? If God has destined for you something, do we go, God, I want to do it a different way? If, if God has given you gifts, even in the local church, to reflect Him and make Him look good, do you say, God, but there's somebody else? If you call to preach, if you call to teach, if you call to lead worship, do you say, man, I enjoy it on this side. I'm just going to sit down. I'm just going to look at the band. I'm just going to do what I need to do to get into heaven. And it might be enough. But yes, there's something that we're missing reflecting in. Even in his character and his nature. I know we're joking with ESCOM. But it's so in our culture that we look at authority and we say, wrong. And we throw rocks. We reject but God said, all authority in heaven, all authority is from me. Romans 13, you can go read it. Even the government. But through our Sundays, we, we are here, we worship, we love Jesus. And then in the week, we throw rocks again with our words. How often do we sin in our hearts that on a Sunday, we, there's fresh water. And in the week, there's even this flight all over this place. Hit <laughs> it with the mic. <laughs> always so I want to encourage us that even in this area there's a way that life and fresh water will flow through our lives let us look at the word of God and not only be hearers and say this is a good thing but actually be doers of the word and say I'm going to apply this good thing to my life and then Jesus and I said I'm not going to cry here it's going to be difficult It is thousands of years of man trying to obtain grace from God and God saying, I have something for you and we reject. I have something for you reject. And then he said, they cannot, they cannot reach and obtain the standard for because my standard is perfection. So God said, I will come down. God will come down and I will pay what they cannot pay. There's a story... Um, no, I'm not going to tell it. It's going to take too long. Um, but there's something in God's heart that He looks at His children with compassion. He says, I need to make right. I want to restore. I want to once again be generous with my grace and lavish it upon them. But what then happens is the following. That Jesus lives a perfect life on the earth. And man looks at him and actually marvels because they've never seen something like this. Perfection in human form. Perfection. Have you ever seen somebody perfectly joyful? It's actually quite irritating. <laughs> really? There's something of, I don't have that. And you, you want to squirm away. Or somebody that is so loving. It's like, just your Lord, send suffering on their life because I can't handle this thing. And we look at perfection in the eyes and we see glimpses of Jesus in people and actually we squirm away because we're not like that. 
How much more did mankind look at Jesus and look at perfection and it brought out all the evil. Light came into the world and darkness could not stand. What a terrifying thing it would have been to have seen Jesus. Perfection in front of, you, of them. In the garden, Jesus turned the tables and he said, God, no longer man's will be done, but your will be done. No longer what man wants, but what you want. Jesus didn't want to suffer and die on a cross, but he said, who am I? I want to listen to God. Being a perfect, perfect reflection of a relationship with God, he said, I will pay the price. Having that mind of Christ laying down his life for us and saying, I will go through with this. And man looked at Jesus and says, you look nothing like what we want. We want the human king. We want the human prophet. We want different than you and they killed him. But actually Jesus was the victorious one at the end, being raised from the dead. And it says in, in John 3, 16 to 18, the following very well-known scripture um, that I think we must always read to 18, not only 16. <laughs> Memorize the whole bit. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world. What was God's heart? Love. That he gave his only son the solution. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The result of that solution. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved, not by our clever ideas and the way we think salvation needs to come, but by his son. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. No longer do I see you as sinner, but I see you as son. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. If you do not believe in Jesus, you reject grace again, like we did in the garden, like we did in thousands of years, and then once again in 2022 or 2023, we can reject grace and say, nah, I don't want this. I don't want this free gift. It's there for us to take. But we squirm and we look away and we're like, I don't want that. But there's something interesting that will happen on that last day. There will be a judgment. There will be a looking at our life and saying, what did you do with the gracious gift of breath that I give you? Did you serve me or did you reject me with that? And there will be a judgment. The other day I was driving up to Welgefond and, and as I was driving there, there was this car in front of me, quite beat up car, you know these people come from a rough side of life, uh, like Wellington, I know there's Wellington peeps there, bless their souls, <laughs> that's why he's jumping so much, he's actually afraid, <laughs> but as I was driving there, you know these people come out of the rough side of life, and they, as they were driving with their windows down, they're throwing beer bottles out of the window at the top, there by Ida's Valley, going to Welkenfonden, and as they come around the corner with their windows down, throwing beer bottles out, I'm like looking at them, Lord, help me not to judge, I already judge. Oh, yes, Lord, so difficult. And then they go, and I drive a little bit back, because I don't know if they're drunk, if they're going to go into me. And, uh, and then there's that speed camera as you approach the robot there at the top. And as they go down, 
they, they, the windows are down, they throw middle finger, fingers to the, to the speed camera. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's so weird. But with that thing, as they do that, they're actually saying, we reject authority. We reject this country. We reject this president. We reject whatever you can do. We're throwing out bottles. We're doing our own thing. And then they slack down. All the way to the speed limit, recognizing the authority of that speed camera and saying, we will rather obey without getting a fine. And isn't that exactly what's going to happen on that last day? Our whole life, we can, in a sense, with our actions and our words and our thoughts and our deeds, throw the finger to God and say, we don't want you. We don't want this. We reject your free gift. But on that day, everybody will need to acknowledge the authority that is in Christ. And on that day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. No matter what you do during this life, on that day, everybody will need to acknowledge the ones will be condemned and the others will be saved. And I'm ending off with this. Let me ask you this, just in John, John 1, 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. He said that you are clean and you are a son and a daughter of God if you accepted the free gift of salvation. So I want to ask us, as we look at that gift and you might have received it, have you ever sinned in your life after salvation? This last week, this morning with your kids? happens on the Sunday it's like demon apocalypse because they attack and then they don't want bread and then they throw there it's just crazy I've seen it I don't have kids but I've seen Martin's kids now I'm talking about that <laughs> no they're amazing that's cute little Buxton <laughs> but there's something that happens and then we sin but then something of shame creeps into us have you when you sinned then want to come to God, but you feel so much shame and say, I, I cannot come to God. I cannot even ask for forgiveness anymore. So what do we do at that moment? We actually fall into this false gospel of works and say, I just need to work myself up the ladder again to feel good. Maybe after the Sunday service, I've worshipped two or three songs passionately. I've listened to a good preach, like I feel like quite energized after today, like, whoo, I'm going to live out grace now. And something in us through the week want to make it up to God. Actually, what we are doing with our actions, words, and heart, we're rejecting grace again, because He already set you clean. Already you're right before Him. But what do we do? We just, nah, I don't want that. I'm doing it my way again. For me, one of the biggest gifts of grace and we ending off with this is the following when Christ went to heaven Jesus went to heaven he said it's better than I go that I can give you a helper because if the helper comes the Holy Spirit he will remind you of my ways he will not only be an exterior thing but internally you will be transformed oh foolish Galatians who has bewitched you? You got saved, starting off in the spirit, and now you're trying to complete your own salvation in the flesh. Isn't that exactly, oh foolish Stalinbosch. You were saved and you were passionate, and now you're trying to figure this thing out with self-help books. You're trying to figure out salvation on your own. You're trying to become a better person. It's only by the spirit changing a heart. 
So my question to us is, are we independent or dependent on the Spirit on a daily basis to transform us, to renew us, so that we can reflect Him more and more? Hebrews 12 verse 5 says the following. See to it. Memorize this. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. In the Greek, that see to it is actually one word. It's an action word. It's a verb. And it speaks about to take charge. It speaks about to look after something with diligence, persistent effort. There's an action of persisting to taking hold of grace and to look out for your brothers and sisters and making sure that each one here takes hold of grace. We are called Joshua Generation Church, meaning that each one, each individual here has an inheritance given by God. I want to say you cannot enter into that inheritance without your brothers and sisters next to you. You cannot. Because it is that we need to look out for one another, taking hold of the promises of God, that if Carl needs to enter into something in God, every one of you needs to back him and go into his promised land and say, Carl, together we're taking hold of your promises. Because we know if Carl is reflecting something of Christ, he can help all of us again, taking hold of the grace of God for your life. I want to say, when it comes to the gospel message, it's actually a gospel message. It's a message of grace. Let us not fail to obtain this message of grace in our lives. Living continually rejecting God, but be those that accept Him. In your resting during this time, relying on the Spirit. Say, God, resting, naps, is fun and great. I think, I think it's of the free gifts from God to us. But there's something of full satisfaction will only be found in Christ. There's something in our works trying to obtain it back to God. Leave your works at the door and say, God, I receive. And now that I receive and I'm a son of God out of this place, I can give my whole life as a living sacrifice, as Romans 12 speaks about. Living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to Him, renewing our mind and following His His will through that. Laying ourselves on the altar daily, saying, God, not my will be done, but your will be done in this life. Amen. Let's pray together. With all the eyes closed, I really, I really think this, yeah, this is the Lord challenging us through, through the Scriptures and by His Spirit. Let's just take like 10, 20 seconds and say, God, Looking at your scriptures, looking at the gospel, looking at your free gift and the grace you've lavished upon us. Has there come a time that, in a sense, dust has settled on my lenses? That no longer do I come to a place of actually excitement when I look at this free gift and I look at grace. I might have fallen into the, the trap of the Galatians to try to start off with Jesus, but now, you see, I feel dry. As one thing, as any saints, charismatic Christians, we love to use this word dry. But it's actually a thing that it's a lack of dependency on Christ and dependency on self. So Lord, where is those things, God? Where are those things in our hearts that we have grieved you and say, God, 
we've to extend rejected you with our words, our thoughts, our actions. And would you come and renew it again in our hearts, Lord? Father, when we look at your free gift, we want to say, God, we accept it as sons of the Most High God and live free, secure in the Beloved. Loving you, enjoying you, being dependent on you, refreshed by your Spirit and finding joy only in Christ. And I want to ask, maybe there's visitors here with all eyes closed. Let's just give space for people to respond to God. And if there's people here that you might have visited or come from somewhere else or invited or you might have come to church even a while, but you've looked at the gospel this morning and you say, Yes, Henry, I've always seen myself maybe as a good person, even as a Christian, but I've never seen Christ as the gracious one. I've never seen my faults, but this morning there's something of a cut to the heart and I need to respond to this. And maybe you've never ever actually have a relationship with God. You've always worked through a church or through leaders or through other ways, but you've never went to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I want to give that opportunity this morning. And if you're here and you've not responded fully of giving your life to Jesus, maybe with all the eyes closed, maybe you can just indicate, I would love to pray with you. If there's anyone like that. Great. Then secondly, as Christians, maybe we all need to maybe respond in areas of our lives that we have not fully surrendered to Christ. So maybe let's just all stand and say, God, as we're standing, we're responding to you. I'm going to pray for us. Just in your own heart, just pray to God and say, God, that area, I've not given it over to you. I've held on and I've rejected grace. I've tried to do it in my own strength. Father, I thank you for the gospel. That, Father, you've looked at sin and you've looked at these fragile human beings and you've say, you looked at them and you said, dust. We are actually dust. But there's something special that we can't comprehend that you find in all of us. And you say, love. I love these boykies and girlkies and womies and tannies. And I love these children of mine. And Father, I thank you that you've made a way through the person, through God, Jesus Christ. Dying on a cross, living the life that we couldn't live paying the penalty we couldn't pay and being that, that perfect substitution and when we believe in you and we give ourselves to you you say son daughter victorious one loved one I love you and I like you and father I thank you that you didn't leave us alone but you gave us your spirit God you are in us and transforming us to look more like you and reflecting you. Help us, God, to bear fruit because we know that if we abide in the vine, we know that we will bear fruit and that gives glory to the Father. 
May we bear fruit with the gospel being in our midst and ever increasing. May Salamosh AM, may Salamosh PM, may the churches in Salamosh be those that's called sons of the Most High God, secured in the, in the gift of Christ, gracious toward outside and preaching the gospel and it's ever increasing. Father, we trust that you will work in us. In Jesus' name, amen.